rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Time is 6.59 a.m. You are listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Uh, It is Thursday, the 27th of May. Hello. Good morning. Welcome. Yes, yes. We are going live at 8 a.m. on Facebook, as you guys know. So get ready for that. Be sure to tune in. Subscribe to the show on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, all of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, quick news items before we let you go and get into this great interview today. Uh, ARTA, A-A-R-T-A, the Aurora Area Retired Teachers Association, will resume in-person meetings on Tuesday, June 1st. Um, a picnic buffet served by Gaslight Manor will include, uh, will, include, will include fried chicken, brats, salad, baked beans, corn on the cob, macaroni, and cheese, plus dessert. Uh, entertainment will be provided by Hicks Brothers Ukuleles. Lunch is $20. Very cool. In an annual Warm Fuzzies Drive, lap blankets homemade by members will be collected. Volunteer blanketeers will distribute blankets to six area nursing homes after the luncheon. Pa- past blanket drives have yielded more than 100 blankets annually. Shouts out to Arta. That sounds cool. All right, and due to overwhelming response, Dino Safari extends the date to June 6th. Dino Safari is taking place at Fox Valley Mall, and it's a great collection and an engaging showcase of dinosaurs. Very, very cool. Um, So, yeah, bring the family out. It's a really good time. Get up close and personal with the most fascinating prehistoric creatures. From the mighty T-Rex of North America to the giant amphibious Spinosaurus from Africa. Shouts out. Shouts out. All right. And last but definitely not least, I'm going to tell you guys um, about Aurora Arts Weekend happening on the 4th and 5th of June. Bringing multiple art shows to downtown Aurora, Aurora Arts Weekend will feature events at both First Fridays on June 4th and Fox River Arts Ramble on June 5th. First Fridays will offer a night of art, music, and activities for all ages and more than two dozen participating downtown locations. Hours vary by location, and the Fox River Arts Ramble is a collaborative effort of the Fine Line Creative Arts Center, the St. Charles Art Council, and the Water Street Studios. Uh, the event was created in 2018 with the mission of promoting arts and culture in the Fox Valley. Very, very cool. All right. So get ready. Join us on Facebook. Tune in or join us on YouTube. We are live on YouTube as well. And uh, take part in the discussion today. We're about to have some fun. And that is the news. All right. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Glad to be here. Me too. Me too. Um, so, for our listeners and our viewers, let us know who you are and where you're from. I'm Cindy Hump. I'm from Aurora. I've been here for almost 50 years. But my pen name is Cindy Urban Huff. All right. I wanted to honor my uh, my family when I started writing novels. Okay. How long have you been writing? I've been writing uh, since I was in eighth grade. I had a teacher who took one of my short stories and said, I want to send it into a magazine. I was just like, oh, 
It didn't win, it didn't place, it did nothing, but then the, the wheels started moving, and I started writing a lot of things after that. What was the name of that teacher? Mrs. Dickerson, which is something else now, I guess. Never can forget the name. Well, of those she was also, who, uh... and it was, that was also in uh, O'Fallon, Illinois. It wasn't up here, so. Okay, all right. But yeah, she, that, that was the thing that kind of set me on a little bit of a course of something I wanted to do. Okay. Are you originally from O'Fallon? No, my father was in the military. Okay. So I've been in I've been in England and Texas and New Mexico, and we've been to Scott Air Force Base, which is down near Belva, which is where my dad is, sort of, and relatives are from that area. We were down there a few times. Okay. Lived in Indiana. I was lucky to finish school in one spot. I finished high school at Marion High. Okay. All right. Very cool. Very a cool. A long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, real quick, before we get into the next uh, set of things, um, as a person with long history here, what's your opinion about Aurora? What is Aurora to you? Well, I've seen, when I first moved here almost 50 years ago, Aurora is kind of what we always call a big, small town. You knew your neighbors, you, uh, there was things to do and things to participate in, and then, you know, there was, over the years I've seen it evolve in some really good ways. I like what's going on in the downtown. I love that they have an artist studio. Yeah. And all yeah. that's going on in the art community. I love that, of yeah. course. I had an opportunity to have a book signing at If These Walls Could Talk during a First Friday. On Stolp. Yes. Oh. It's a wonderful art gallery that supports uh, the artists in the area. And they was willing to let me sell books in their store. I was there that day, too, at all. Just really friendly people. Um, I think there's just a lot of opportunity uh, in Aurora. I've, I've always felt that way, even back in the day when people would say, you live in Aurora? Right. You know, and I just, we are where we are. We raised five kids here, I, you know, and I'm very optimistic in that regard to what you can find in Aurora. Um, growing up, what impact did your dad have on your life? Uh, my dad was in the military, so he was home at different times and did different things with us. Um, he wasn't always available to go to things. I was into, you know, drama and theater and all that in school. I don't recall my father ever making it because of his schedule to those things, yeah. but he was there uh, at some things I did at church. You know, my father did what my father could, right. you know, in, in, for his generation. You mentioned drama and theater. Were you always a creative kid? Yeah, probably. I, a lot of it is, again, going back to being, when you're in the Air Force, you are in a military grant, you get maybe two years in a community. If you're on the base, then the kids in you, you know that. Right. There's no cliques. When you go to civilian, you're always the new kid in the middle of the school year, and who are you and where are you from? And if you didn't find a way to make friends, it was pretty lonely. Right. And I think creativity and imagination goes along with that whole trying to find your, your niche. I, you, you mentioned finding your niche. I've always been under the impression that people have one. They got something in them. They're either a good, you know, they may be a good artist, good drawer, anything like that. But for some people, it's hard to find and, you know, they have to take pains to make that manifest. you think that's a, is that a true statement? Oh, I think so. I think um, my finding my niche was a little bit hard. I never went to college. 
but yet I produced, you know, novels. Uh, and you feel a little bit intimidated, like maybe, and then I'm older. So you feel like, well, maybe I've missed it at some point. But the thing is, that's never true. That's never true. You can go, you've seen people, you know, take college courses or switch careers when they're older. Right. You've seen, you know, they say Colonel Sanders finally was a successful businessman in his 60s. Right, that's true, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, that, <laughs> it's, it's that kind of, of thing that in, encourages me and I want to inspire other people in that same regard. There's that thing in you that, and, and nothing is too small. I have met some people whose art, artistry is in quilting and crocheting, and I don't do any of that stuff, and I'm like, oh wow, that is so beautiful. That is within in that creativity. Right. Right. to do those things. Um, did you always want to be a writer? When I was a little kid, I wanted to be an actress. Okay. You know, or a singer, or something that all little kids want to do. Right. But my, my characters talked to me always. I would go to, to bed at night telling myself stories. And finally, I feel like God allowed me to release that whole thing with characters. And so it's been easy for me to write. I mean, when I went from, as I said, I wrote... In eighth grade, I was in the high school newspaper staff. I was in Thespians, which is the drama, the drama group. Yeah. And I wrote a lot of their skits. I wrote skits for pep rallies. And when I was and with church, I did a lot of that too. I ran a a, a mime group for our homeschool youth group. A mime group? I learned how to do that. Yes, and we had we had fun going around ministering. I wrote the scripts for those. And, and I wrote, I was, uh, did a stint in Common Sense on the Beacon News mm -hmm. for a few years. And then I just gave up writing for like a decade. I just, I don't know if I just felt dried out or distant. Writing is a lonely profession. If you don't know other writers, you almost feel like, why am I bothering? Really? You know, you need, it's like artists need artists. Well, writers need writers. I've interviewed... A few writers now, even before Mr. Callison, and you're the first I've heard to say that. That's interesting. It's not now, because I have a network of writers. Right. But, so, after 10 years of not writing, and I have a fiction brain, but some Christian church people feel like fiction is not what you should be writing, hmm. you know, and so I gave it up. And then, on a mission trip, I felt God say to me, I want you to pick that back up. And I'm like, really? Yeah, I'm 50 years old. And then he directed me to uh, passages in Leviticus where it talks about the year of Jubilee. And 50 years where, you know, the Jewish could, if they were put themselves into servitude to someone because they fell on bad times, this was the time they could be set free. That was the time of new beginnings. That's the time when they left their, their fields followed. So they could just refresh and renew. And so I asked God if this is what you want me to do. There's this course online I'd really like to take because it's been a while. I want to catch up. I want to make sure I am in the same place I should be for writing. Right. And it was expensive. And you know how you get those little postcards in the mail that says, oh, you're in a class, you could be in a class action suit? Yeah. I signed it. Let me think about it. I got the exact amount of money to take that course. I'm like, okay, I'm taking that course. And through meeting them, I met more writers. I began to work. I wrote my first novel. What was this course? What was it that? was... Uh, Writing for the Soul, 
There's a Jerry Jenkins course. He still has the course. I think it's a little bit different now. Okay. Then when I took it, I had a, a, a mentor that I would send my lessons to, and then he would correct it and encourage me as I went through the lessons. They had just one, a writing one, and then I took the fiction course after that. And I wrote my first novel, and I thought, man, we're on this path. And how, did now, it, how did it feel, writing that first novel? It felt good because it felt like I got my characters out. This I is got, the first one after 10 years. And I ever wrote a novel. Okay, I had always wow. wrote skits and short stories and other things when I was younger. This is the first novel I ever attempted. That's a lot of words. It was originally 100,000 words. All new writers write 100,000 words. Most publishers won't publish 100,000 words. Hmm, but, interesting. So, but so I'm thinking, man, I'm going. I went to my first writers' conference. I didn't know there was one in Illinois, so I went to Colorado. Uh, one that Jerry Jenkins was having at the time. You know, lo that one no longer exists. But I had all these publishers. Sure, send us your manuscripts. Send it. Every one of them rejected it. My first book was rejected 21 times over a 10-year period. Holy cow! But in that 10 years, I learned about writing craft. I attended more conferences. I spent time with writers. And I became part of what's called Word Weavers. Word Weavers International is a Christian writing group, but the only goal is to get writers published. It's a critique group. And we use what we call the sandwich method. Different people, you gather around a table, the person to your left reads, the person to your right starts a critique. You don't talk. They tell you what they see. They write on your piece. Mm -hmm. It's about 1,500 words. And then you take it, and then you take it, and then let's say I ask you a direct question, you don't answer that, which is excellent training for when you go to talk to an agent or a publisher yeah. you don't argue with them if they you you let them say what they're going to say and you thank them it's either going to be good or it's not and so i was desperate for critiquing i was desperate for this community so when they started expanding out of florida which is where they started 20 years ago i said oh is there one in illinois no there isn't but do you like to start one so i started i'm the founding member of the Aurora Word Weavers. Aurora Word Weavers has been around about a, geez, over a decade, or right now I think, I'm trying to remember what year we started. I think it was 2007. Wow. And we've had writers come and go, but most of the writers in our group now are published authors. You know, at least with one book, or those that do articles, uh, because we've, we've worked that through. I don't think my first book would have been published without uh, Word Weavers. That is awesome. Now, uh, what was your first book? This is my, was my first book, Okay. Secrets and Charades. It's won three awards. It won the Editor's Choice Award, which gave me free edits, which was awesome because we had to cut out 20,000 words. Wow. And I learned a lot about how, uh, things I didn't know as I was learning, working on this. This is a historical romance. It's about a female doctor who goes west as a mail-order bride. But I had to set it up because that doesn't make any sense. And some people leaving questions, were there doctors? And went female doctors in 1870? Yes, there were. Not many. Right. But because of some things in her past, and because her niece was writing some rancher with, on her behalf, because she thought her aunt needed to be happy, uh, she ends up going there, and a lot of things happen. Everyone that's read this book is like, wow, I didn't expect that. Wow, I didn't expect that, which was very encouraging. Um, but it won the Editor's Choice Award. Then it won the Serious Writers Award for Fiction and the Maxwell Award. It placed third for fiction all that first year that it, it was out. It's also available in ebook 
an audiobook. So while this book was doing something, I wrote a contemporary one, New Duets. It's actually in Aurora. This is where it's set, which made it easy for me. And I had a, a publisher say, if you're writing historicals, why did you write that? Because I really felt like the story needed to be told. It's about a wounded warrior and who has, has to deal with having a prosthetic and just deal. He just wants a normal life. And of course, he has a dog. I love dogs. A lot of my stories have dogs in them. So he has a service dog. And the heroine is um, Isabella is a wounded widow. She was, came out of an abusive relationship. So she's just trying to find herself. And of course, we have an art community. So she's an artist who's bringing her art back up. I was able to highlight some of the stuff in downtown Aurora in this book. So you really put a local twist as a local author into that new duet. Absolutely. Very nice. Very nice. And then um, the next book, the publisher of Secrets and Charades asked if I would be part of this um, collection. Myself and three other um, authors wrote The Cowboys. And usually in romance, it starts out from the female perspective. But right. in Cowboys, we started it out from the male perspective. And in my book, Healing Hearts, there's twin brothers who are recovering from being in the Civil War. One is, his, was in a POW camp, and so he's injured and he's not doing well. And the other brother has a big old scar on his face. He was branded with a C because both being pacifists, they didn't want to participate in killing people. Right. So when they take on their uh, uncle and gave them a ranch that they inherited in Kansas, I picked Kansas because that's a, a lot of people immigrated there after the war, and uh, they find a woman in that house. And of course, they all get snowed in in the winter, so you can imagine what happens, you know, with, with them and what goes on. One can imagine, and right? And one, <laughs> one twin ends up marrying her in the end, of course, and then there's unexpected things that happen um, because the first the one with the scar is a little bit grumpy. Right. And so it, it just makes for an interesting story. And there's three other stories in here. All of these stories are written by CELA Award, at least finalists, if not winners. CELA Award? CELA Award is a Christian award. This one, New Duet, finaled in the 2019 CELA Awards. What's CELA stand for? It's, you know, it's the scripture, CELA means peace or, or, you know, so when you read the Psalms, it might say CELA. It means think about it, pause. And because this, uh, the CELA Awards is through the, let's see, it's the Blue Ridge Mountain Chris, uh, Writers Conference. Okay. They give out the award every year. So that's what they call their awards. Got and it. To be in, that's a, that surprised me to pieces, especially when we started to write this. I'm thinking, oh, these ladies are all at CELA Awards. Then I finaled and I'm like, well, I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> and then because that book, had Lonnie gets his girl, gets the girl well Wait, dead. Lonnie? Lonnie got the girl in here. Could you pick any better cowboy names than that? <laughs> That's well, great. Well, Jed, yeah. his twin, you know, he's got to have a happily ever after. But I don't ever write a happily ever after with, it starts out happily. I deal with a lot of real problems. All of my books deal with PTSD. All of my books deal with emotional problems abuses of some kind and in rescuing a heart which really isn't even out yet i have them they'll be released on amazon uh july 5th uh this is don't you love that cover this is jed's story i like it 
and he finds a woman. He goes up on a homestead, and the house is burnt out, and the woman is hiding in the, in the um, barn, and she is not about to let any man come near her. And as her story unfolds, you find out that she had an abusive husband. She came west as a mail-order bride, thinking she was going to do some good things. Well, that didn't turn out so well. And as always, there's unexpected things I put in the story, an unexpected twist, which will lead up to the story I presently finished and another one that I'm working on. And then there's another book coming out in October. It's called Angelina's Resolve. It's the beginning of the Village of Women story. I'm a big advocate, of course, for women. And in that time period, you know, we struggle now, but if it wasn't for some of the women back in the 1800s, where would we be today? Right. So my main character in Angelina's Resolve is an art, well, her father had an architect firm. She studied to be an architect, but she was never allowed to. Her name was never allowed on anything. When her father dies, she give, he gives the firm to her cousin. And her cousin basically kicks her out of it, says, you know, you need to just go find a husband. Well, she's very wealthy, and she's very bothered. And her and her friends get together and talk about it, and they decide, why don't you build your own buildings? So she went one step further. She buys property in Kansas. She works this all out. She, she interviews people to come so she can start women's businesses. And this is somewhat based on there was a community, and I believe it was in Montana, where the women ran the town, right. ran the city council and the mayor, because they had the time to do it. So we have this whole conflict with women and, of course, the contractors, the man. So you have that whole dynamic of he's got to be the boss. Her name is well known in the architectural world, and right. that's a fictitious architectural world. And her architectural place is Chicago, but it, that's fictitious. Du Bois architecture did not exist, but it worked for my story. Mm -hmm. And it worked for my story when we thought of the village because Horace Greeley and a bunch of men back then. Horace Greeley. He was a, a journalist and philanthropist. Yeah. He also read uh, Ingalls and Marx and all of that and was wanting to build communities. Mm -hmm. And there were people out there trying to build religious communities. And there were all, all these men oh, yeah. were working, and, she, and they decided. Well, a woman could do better. And, of course, very naive. They worked this whole thing. It, it's, it's, takes, it spans about a year where they're building. And all the problems that come up, and they have tornadoes, and they have all these other activities that happen in that story that um, they both learn so many things from it, and it draws them together. But, and, and her best friend is a lawyer. She never got to practice law. She's a widow now. Well, she got to practice law there, and her book will be coming out. I haven't started writing it yet, but there'll be at least there'll be three other books about different ladies in the village of women. That's amazing. And, and it will cover that same thing. And I'll be finishing up the Healing Heart series after Rescuing Your Heart. I have Cherishing Your Heart, and then I have to I got something floating around in my brain for another one, and I have a whole file full of other storylines that at some point in time. When it all, like the characters really start telling me what's going on, then I'll start those stories. So, it sounds like, going back to uh, when you received that message from God telling you, go ahead and start writing. It seems like that was the best thing that happened. Every day I sit and I go, wow, I don't believe I'm doing this. I don't believe I finished this many books. I don't believe I'm writing another book. I, I'm just amazed. And at the same time, it's kind of a fearful thing because you've got to market it. It's not like, if I had done this in the 80s, publishers, 
they man they market your book for you and you just go here do that and they right. do a lot of it now across the board you do a lot more of your own marketing ah. so i've had to stay active on some social media i've i've had to figure out where's the best thing at create memes i'm doing things that i don't want to learn to do but it's good yeah. it's good you're never too old to learn new things. That's right. And I figured out how to make memes, which is a big deal to me. Probably not to a teenager, but it's a big deal deal to me to learn how to use different things. Yep, all you the know. different apps and put it here. What's it look like? Yeah, I yeah. also have a marketing person who helps me a lot, which is, and you know, and I have my own web, you know, I have a website. It's just www.cindyirvinhuff.com. Right. And you'll find me all over social media. And with that said, I'd like to do a giveaway. Okay. All of the people watching, if you go to my Facebook page, my author Facebook page, which is author Cindy Irvin Huff, you know, and or my Instagram page, author Cindy Irvin Huff, and you'll see, uh, it looks like this book cover, and it says giveaway, giveaway, giveaway. If you sign up there for my newsletter, you'll be putting a drawing, and you can pick whichever book you'd like. That is and awesome. And I will send you an autographed copy. And that as long as that awesome. remains up there, you can be in the drawing. At a certain point, we will pull that giveaway. But that's, I was trying to figure out a way doing this that I could do a giveaway. So You'd be happy to put that out there and let the audience engage. Definitely. Right. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm happy to do that. Have you, um, when, what is your process for writing? Oh, my process. There's plotters and there's pansters, and that's me. I'm trying to be more of a plotter, but it's hard. A pansters, as you sit down and you write, and the characters talk to you. I remember talk, walking down around the block with my husband, and I'm saying about this character, and he says, sounds like you know them. And you know what? That character's... Not a girl after all, she's a boy. And he's right. like, what? Yeah, this is what they told me as I went along. <laughs> and I tend to find that. And, and some of my characters, uh, because my own family were immigrants, I like to put Irish immigrants in there. Okay. I have Hispanics in my books. Mm -hmm. I have different nationalities in my books on purpose because that's what Kansas or wherever that, and Secrets and Charades is Texas, wherever okay. they were, those nationalities were there. And so they may be minor characters, but they're there. Uh, and, the, and it means a lot to me because when the Irish immigrated here, they weren't treated very nicely. Mm -hmm. You know, and, it's, and so I wanted to show those things uh, without, you know, just kind of in the story, within right. the story. It's, it's like in uh, my Angelina's Resolve, there's Indians that come. And as I'm writing this, I'm talk, I've got a... A friend, I'm in a, another critique group, and she's like, history. She, she just really set me straight on some things about the Indians, told me which Indians were in Kansas at that time. Right. And my main character, like many people, said, oh, they're all savages, and they're terrible, and why are they doing this? Because mm -hmm. these guys were hungry, and they, they took care of them. And the one woman who had a stepmother that was Indian says, you don't understand. If someone came to try to take your stuff away, wouldn't you respond? Right. And so... It was a way to show the other side of what was going on back at that time, just in a conversation. And a lot of what I share, even with PTSD and other things, are, you know, in the fiction format, it gives people. In New Duet, because it's an abused wife, it gives an opportunity for someone who maybe is in that situation to go, hmm, maybe I should get help. Right. 
you know, and I have familiarity those with the characters. Or how to, my theme is you don't have to let your past affect your present, you know, which is a scriptural principle, you know, but oftentimes it dictates everything we do. And so I wanted, in everything I write, you know, I want them to see hope in the future. Even though this is romance, there's that hope, there's that building relationships, that's learning about yourself so that your relationship is better. You know, it's not, and I don't have steamy scenes in my books. It's all, you close the door. Because I want them to focus on that, that, not on the, the uh, behind the door stuff. We got our own imaginations. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of imagination, right? Right. <laughs> but that's what, with a, a, a pantser, sometimes I don't know where the end is, what's going to happen until it gets there. Yeah. But a plotter is one who has it all outlined and knows where they're going, and I'm trying to get a little, because I'm trying to do a little bit of that in hopes I can get more books out faster. What does America mean to you? It's, America's always been a special place to me. I've uh, been proud to be an American. Um, well, my father served. My sons have served. And so it's, that kind of maybe makes me feel a little bit different than maybe someone who's not had anyone in the military in their family. And I support um, those you know, it's hard, and I, but I support them. I, I had a chance to live in other places, in other states, and where they have uh, still, there was that American pride. But I was raised at a time that that was, you know, common to really have a pride in our country. It's when not have, common anymore? Well, I, I feel like sometimes um, we're not listening to one another really listening, and I think social media has that to do with it. Sure. You and I can have a conversation, and if you don't understand what I'm saying, you can say, well, are you saying this? Right. In social media, I can make a comment, or even texting. I can make a perfectly innocent comment. You know, I text my son something. He says, Mom, why are you yelling at me? And I'm thinking, it's right. a text message. And I think that has kind of separated us a little bit. Uh, I agree. I agree. I'm I'm confused, and I would like to ask your opinion on this. Technology, technologically wise, it's brought us together quicker. We can check in, folks, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I do wonder: has it overall helped us, or has it overall hurt us? I think people don't know how to communicate. How many okay. times you go to dinner and you look around, and you can, I can get it myself. I'm keeping my phone in my purse. Yes. And I'm there to talk with the people at the table. We were raised different, I think. I, I was the same exact way. As soon as I sit down, and the phone goes away. You know? I can remember when nothing was open on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So you had to stay home with your family and have dinner. and. So I think those, to your point, those times have changed. Yeah, they have. They have. And I, and I fear sometimes that, like, life is reflecting what's new, but it's taken away all of that. You know, it's taken away all the yeah, stuff and, like and, that. And sometimes, too, our life is what they, someone I read is in sound bites. A sound bite, you know, you could take something I just said, and if you put it in the right contents, it sounds like I said something horrible. I could take two minutes of this conversation and say, you know, just... Whatever, and then that could be you're right. You're and right. And so it's it's being taking the time to go. That's what was said, but what was really said? Looking it up, finding the information, 
what was the speech, what did they actually say, you know, as opposed to just taking that one bent, you know, you know, the, the tweeter, the tweet generation. Yeah, just it's all 120 characters, that's it, yeah. And yeah. we don't communicate that way. We Some don't. of us take a while to, to get around to what it is we want to say. That's why tweeting's hard for me. I can't just, that's it? That's all I got to work with? Uh, yeah, and it's, yeah. Um, what's the best book you ever read? Oh, geez. I'm addicted to reading. I mean, I can read a dozen books in a month. So that's kind of hard to say. Got a favorite, an overwhelming favorite? I know it is a difficult question to point. To well, it down the well there were books that I didn't read. That okay. other people read in other generations. So in, when we were first married, I read things like Tale of Two Cities, Christie, different books that had a deep impact because they went deeper into the personality of the people. Okay. And those are the kinds of books I really like. I read fun, light books too, but the ones where it makes you think. Okay. I love the historical ones that bring in information because the newer historical writers, they don't skirt the issues. They show you what's really happened. They've done the research. Right. And so there's some new writers. They're not, on the, uh, like, you might not know them, but I do. And I will read every book they have because would, of yeah. the, the detail that they put in their stories. What would your advice be to uh, a, a new writer or a person who is uh, interested in writing and thinking of writing a book? Learn the craft. Learn the craft. Learn the craft, and learn the craft. And then after you learn the craft, and you, you've written that well, then learn some of the other things you need to do to be successful. Network with other writers. Find other writers. Find writing groups. Be willing to let somebody kill your baby. Because sometimes that page we think is wonderful, half of it's still in our head, and it's not on the page, and it doesn't make any sense. And that's what we help one another with. We help one another to be better. Word weavers seems like it was that was it for you. Word weaver, uh, if I'm if I remember you correctly. Yes. You said that word weavers was basically like your. It was that it was, which made you. Was my yeah. Right. Right. Correct. It, right. Okay. It was my writing craft. It kept me going because every going. month I had to have something to share. And you're the founding member of the Aurora Group. Right. How can folks find out about that group? All you have to do is go to word-weavers.com, uh, okay. type in Aurora, Illinois, and you can find out what we're doing, where we are. You send an email to the president, they'll get it, and then the president can contact you and uh, tell you where we meet. I think we're moving to Java Plus. 1677 North Montgomery Road, yep. Michael Morkert, friend of the show. That's Good where man. we'll be on Saturday, at the second Saturday of every month we're there. Oh, good place. Now with Word Weavers, you, can't, you can come and watch twice, but you don't get to critique. You just observe. And after that, if you want to join, then you go online and you Got become it. a member. And that offers a lot of stuff. It's just not that. Uh, Word Weavers International's uh, website has lots of helpful learning the craft sort of information. We're always sharing things, we're always helping one another. And each group can have, also has a private Facebook page, and that's the goal of it, you know, of helping one another just get better at the writing craft. Whatever you write, whether you write poetry, whether you write articles, uh, nonfiction books, novels, short stories, whatever you write, 
if you need someone to go over your um, proposal with you, we we look at that too. That's awesome. Um, twenty twenty one. Here we are. We see uh, more uh, people getting vaccinated. Life is uh, in air quotations opening up. Things are starting to open up. What is your feeling and opinion of uh, Aurora and the city going forward, 2021? What's your outlook? Hopeful. I'm excited to see because I've missed. I've missed opportunities to, to have book fairs. I've missed opportunities to see what's going on around downtown because we are just sort of, everything was closed. Right. I think it's important that we, you know, I love to be able to touch people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you hug somebody now, you know. Or you can meet them and not be concerned. And I think that's what I'm afraid, because some people have been isolated for so long. Mm -hmm. You know, I've even had people say, I almost don't know what to do. Because, and I don't, I want to see that, I want to see that positive part of them coming out, meeting their friends, getting to know people, trying new things, going to the library, right. whatever it is they like to do. Going to check out your book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the show ends on a positive note. What is your message today for the people of Aurora? My message for the people of Aurora would be step back, spend some time in prayer, find out what God's vision is for you, and go with that. Find ways to be positive to your neighbors, to the other people in Aurora, so that Aurora can be that beacon. It says it's the city of lights. Let's be the beacon of hope for the state of Illinois. On behalf of Good Morning Aurora, we appreciate you coming on to the show and talking to us. We really do. And it's very good to get to know you and to be able to see and showcase and highlight your work. Well, we'll be connected via email. So definitely anything that you've got going on, we'll be happy to... Uh, Share it and spread the spread the Wonderful. good word. All the places I can send you, of the places I will be. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate Cindy for coming on to our show. Thank you very much. You guys tune in tomorrow for another great episode. Be blessed. Peace.